Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. choose to love or choose not to love but if you don't have 
the selfishness gone and you don't know how to invest, then you don't necessarily have the capability to be able to invest in someone else's love language where you're able to lay down your own. Okay, so uh, the next one, um, I'm just going to skip from four. Number five is child-centered parenting for some cause uh, close idolatry. And um, I want to just read this out loud. When a child's happiness is a greater goal than his holiness, when his psychological health is elevated above moral health, and when the child, not God, becomes the center of the family universe, a subtle form of idolatry is created. So again, remember, couch time is just a way to tip the scales to get out of the child is not my center, God is the center. Or our relationship is the center, not the expansion is the center. Um, but I want you to hear that on multiple levels. When my happiness is a greater goal than my holiness, when my psychological health is elevated above moral health. So again, I just want us to keep thinking about the concept of why we want to tip the scales out of being child-centered, because we want to elevate holiness, moral development, uh, over psychological health or our happiness, and it's, it's, I mean, and we see it all the time when he starts tapping into what makes us happy, you know, and, and it's kind of a gauge on, on, on where we're at with that. So again, as you're working on your couch time or you're having time together, really begin to just keep in uh, getting those, the negative aspects of that in our heart to hopefully build within us the endurance to be able to choose love. Because at the end of the day, this next chapter to me is, I've heard it a million times, but love doesn't fail. And yet we see it fail over and over and over and over and over again, whether it be divorce, whether it be broken relationships. And this is a practical application, again, of what does love look like? It, he is love, but if we're not able to understand how to manifest that, which is the, the greatest gift of love, is to lay yourself down. Well, some people have asked, what does that mean to lay your life down for your brother? Well, here's a huge example. For me to lay down my primary love language and know someone else's love language and speak it for them would be the greatest act of love. Yeah. Right? I mean, at least for me, when I was reading this chapter, that was my biggest conviction. I, I know my love language. And I... I'm aware of that, and I know his, but it's not about, I know this is going to sound super elementary, but it's, it's not about, do, did I choose to love or not love in my language? Did I choose to love or not love in his? Yeah. Because he never heard it or felt it because I was operating in my own language. So, um, you guys are probably like, duh. But for me, when I was reading this, I was like, genuinely, I am fully aware of, you know, my primary language, and I'm even fully aware of his, and I'm super excited, and I, I mean, I'm saying that hopefully as an encouragement, like, I have an 18-year-old, and I'm trying, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for them to take the test, because I'm recognizing, there was a comment in here, let me give an example, there was a comment in here that said, don't use your child's love language for your own gain. Because Anaya will constantly follow me around and be like, do you need anything, Mom? Do you need 
do you need anything, Mom? And of course I'm like, yeah. And she's the easiest one to ask to do something. Well, I'm not recognizing that she's basically expressing her love language, but I'm just using my, we have the same love language, Anaya. But I'm acts of service. So she's asking me all the time, and I'll lean on her to do it. But I'm not necessarily identifying, because she's acts of service, what do I need to do to ask her what she needs. Does that make sense? So it's like your kids are going to begin to manifest these things that are going to show their love language. Another thing is, is that there could be a negative aspect. Uh, if their love tank is not full, they'll begin to manifest some things that will you could misinterpret as, as, a, as a disobedient or a bad behavior when in reality their love tank is low and it's just coming out in a certain way. Once you identify their love language, then you'll understand why it's coming out in that way. So there's a lot to learn when it comes time to different people's love languages. But does that make sense? Choose to love, choose not to love. Doesn't have anything to do with the lofty, did I love today, but did I lay down my language and learn someone else's and love them in theirs? That is what they mean when it says to choose love or to not choose love daily. Which is like, I just, for me, I love the practical application of this because it's easy to preach that and say, like, amen, of course I'm going to choose love. But then when you have to walk it out and his, his primary language is closeness and touch, and mine is acts of service. So he's like, how about a hug? And I'm like, how about we clean the counter? (laughs) I want to point out a couple things. You have the ability to speak all of them. It's within you to have it all. It's just one stronger than the other. So identifying not only what your strongest one is, but identify your weakest. We happen to be in a marriage where his strongest is literally my last and my first is literally his last. And it has helped us a lot to be able to identify how to speak each other's language to be able to navigate certain things. Um, Oh, I wanted to point out with our children, when your kids fill this out and you begin to learn their, their love languages, You'll start to, um, there's a huge part in this chapter that I love about the comparison where one child was super grateful for the gift that they gave and the other one was like, thanks, but, and kind of brushed it off. And so you immediately think, well, they're grateful and they're not grateful. When in reality, they were identifying in their love language and the other one didn't necessarily hear it, but it didn't mean that they weren't grateful. And so it'll really help with even discerning siblings and different relationships. It can even be uh, interrelationships. Well, I did this one thing, and this person responded amazing, and this other person didn't really respond. Well, it had to do with the way that they were hearing it. But it doesn't necessarily mean we can miss that. What I'm saying is, is if we don't understand this, we can misdiagnose some things. Has anybody not heard this concept before? In some way, shape, or form. I know there's some other teachings that kind of go over the same thing. So everybody, everybody's heard this before. Also remember that your love language is not the one that you like to receive. Sometimes when you're identifying your love language, there can be kind of, um, well, I don't want to say it that way. Your primary language is what you feel and give. 
Just because you enjoy something doesn't necessarily mean it's your primary. That's just for yourself. But it's what you it's what you receive and you give is your primary. Does that make sense? We've had a lot of we've had people who will say, Well, this is my primary language, that's because they just love to like gifts. Well, I'm a gift person. Well, that's because they love gifts, but they're not they're not characterized by giving gifts. So that's not necessarily the primary language. So you have to be thinking about how you feel and how you give is your primary language. Oh, I did want to just say this is a huge, I understand it's super practical because we're talking about love languages and we're talking about identifying them, but I want us to think about the word that came to this family about irritation. So taking it back to the whole thing about how we're irritated by truth or being irritated or even hating, we we know that we honor, we know you know being filled with um, gratitude, and then there's celebration. If we're feeling capped in celebrating truth and we're still dealing with irritation or even death or hatred, really maybe shift your focus of do I love? Because at least for me, when I was reading this, it was a real practical way of just understanding what love looks like. And it's a real practical way of laying yourself <coughs> down to be able to give and invest in others in such a in such a way that it basically alleviates irritation or frustration and can help us get into celebration by just being able to speak the right language. And you know, just understanding that he, he is love. And it's a commandment that we are to love, and it's the only thing that separates us from the world. It's the only way the world knows that we're his is by our love. Not by full of gratitude, not by celebration, not that we're not characterized by that, but I'm just saying that there's this amazing foundation that what we're known by is love, and that will then produce those things, I think, to a greater dimension. Uh, one other thing I'll say, just in addition to what she was going over those, the summary of, of child-centeredness and self-centeredness, when you read those, you can see pretty much by definition what we, the system that we exited, you can characterize by those things. So when you think of like a, a church that tries to entertain people or is um, seeker friendly, right? And they elevate that over going after Yahweh's intent. It's basically child centeredness. So we we fully exited a system that's almost defined by those things. So naturally, it's like we're He's going to ask us to deal with that in our households before we then turn outward and start exemplifying that, right? We exit a system corporately, but now he's going to deal with each and every household, right? Which is why it's hard. And to take it another level, if there is still irritation, right? I would say that's just that's just a manifestation of being in a state of of I'm this you should be concerned about my happiness. Yeah. Right? Not that's where we came out yeah. of is most people you can be a believer, but not a disciple, right? You're, you're a believer, but you have a level of expectation that is self-serving rather than being a disciple who's going to set yourself aside. So that irritation, I would say, most likely is a remnant of 
selfishness, basically. So just be thinking about that, that really this is a natural extension of what the whole night season was. It's just being, it's just being refined and turned up in terms of being in our own house now. So just think about that if you're getting irritated or it's provoking something or stirring something up. Like, just embrace it, right? Because that's what, that's what we're about, is just embracing it. And, you know. Yeah, I, I like, see him in his household saying, yeah, I'm tipping the scales. Right? Like, if we're, if we get irritated through his process, I can see him as, like, the father of the household having that sit-down meeting and saying, will you forgive me? Right. That I've allowed this for so long, but I'm tipping, I'm tipping the scales, and now I'm going to be about your holiness and not your happiness. Yeah. So there's this huge, pro, you know, there's this huge process that he's like walking his family through. Anyways, In scripture, it says that um, people that have been given a role to shepherd other people are held to a higher account. Right, so that that applies to us in this context. That applies to fathers and mothers in their home. Right, so I could see Yahweh saying, like, he's going to call ministers to the carpet that are more concerned with keeping their sheep happy, right, or keeping their flock in a state of happiness and psychological health, rather than pressing them and letting them know what the priorities are, even if it's hard for them. Right, so when she talks about tipping the scales, it's not necessarily obviously Yahweh's not he doesn't need to ask for forgiveness, but he will call to the carpet people who are called to shepherd other people. And the same thing goes for us when we meet him, right? Scripturally we have the we have the instructions, we have the Father's voice. He's gonna say, How did you steward the children that I gave you? How did you steward the household that I gave you? And if it was all about their happiness and not his standard of holiness, like we're gonna have to answer for that. So <laughs> you guys are like all right. <laughs> quiet. I'm like, um, I just am gonna end with this. I, I pretty much am just reading this, but I think that I think what's so powerful about well, I'll just read the last sentence. When we express love rightly in the context of family. It makes it easier for each member to say, I love you, to those outside the family. So if we're struggling with being able to love those outside of the family, then we have to reflect on whether or not we're expressing love. Because our level of expressing love is what allows us to turn out and manifest that love. So uh, you're going you're gonna to get to this part where... It basically says that you can discipline your children all day long. If, if their love tank is empty, it doesn't go anywhere. I don't want that to be misunderstood, that their happiness and that their love tank has to be full in order to expect them to be obedient, but to recognize that if you're battling something, that is an element. Does that make sense? So I like I just I don't want it because it even it even says in here is having having a confirmed sense of love is not the basis for right behavior but it does clear the way for more comprehensive love to others. So it adds as we're beginning to get out of happiness and into holiness, 
it adds to clear the way to be able to do it. It's not the basis for them to do it. Meaning your children can't say, "Why, well, you know, my love tank is is empty, so therefore I don't I don't have to listen." But if their love tank is full, it gives you access to a lot more to train them. Is that making sense? Yeah. So it keeping that as as, as a tool to be able to, to implement allows you the freedom and the access to be able to train more, but it's not necessarily like, like that has to be done for it to happen. But to be, and, and to remember what the purpose is, because even if it's like, well, I'm filling her love tank, it's not necessarily for her happiness. It's because I want her to be confident to know that she can overflow on the one outside, right? So, still being others focused is already getting out of that. that Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.